that, podcast travelers. You have arrived at the Hope This Helps fort of something. This is the 35th Hope This Helps. Wow, 35. 35. It is the age of needing to get, is it the colonoscopy test age or something? I don't know. I'm not 35. I'm not either, which is great. It's kind of like midlife crisis, I think. It's close. It's getting up there. Well, welcome to the midlife crisis episode of Hope This Helps, aka the 35th. We are going to talk about midlife crisis topics. Things such as Yammer and Microsoft Defender ATP, or perhaps Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, and a bunch of other random stuff that we will talk about as we get there. This is Hope This Helps. Wow. Yay. Yay. This is definitely one of those episodes that's going to be a bit ranty. I feel like we're ranty every week. But we are ranty every week, and but this year, I think this year, this, this episode, year. Yeah, well, I guess it's this year in general. This episode, I think we're going to be a little bit more loose and ranty and a little bit, a little less planned than prior episodes, and we'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be just fine. Yes, well, and I want to say next week is Microsoft Ignite. Yes, for four days next week, it's mm-hmm. Microsoft Ignite Part Two electric boogaloo the electric boogaloo ignite part one was it was something and part two will be more something if you liked the first something you'll like the second something just as equally i guess my only concern about these online events is along the lines of i don't know how to get out of work to do them Yeah, that's the problem. I think everyone has that problem. And if they don't have that problem, I don't understand how you do, how you, how people work. How do you have both on at the same time? Because I can't focus on both. Exactly. It's um, quite complicated, I guess, especially working for a smaller org where it's harder to step away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you can't, if you're like responsible for everything and like your tier one, tier two, and tier three, and, and you have to watch Ignite, I don't know. You need a lot of monitors or a lot of gumption or all of the above. Or a clone. Or a clone. Or a lot of time or 48 hours in a single day. But it's coming. Another Ignite for more stuff. Is there anything even notable that's being announced or is it just more sessions and things to be shoved down our throats? There are going to be some more in-depth Viva discussions. Oh, yeah. After we like broke the news about Viva in our last episode, I started hearing about it everywhere, but I still am not quite sure I know what it is. I agree with you. I'm like, is this an add-in that enhances Teams and SharePoint, or is it a separate application that binds together SharePoint and Teams, or is it just another confusing thing, like Yammer being a distribution group or a Microsoft 365 group with just a GUI? I'm not really sure. Or is like Viva just a collection of teams, which in itself is a collection of SharePoint and groups? Exactly. Collections of collections of collections. We're just adding another layer. Only that they never dissect or into each other. So, yeah. Viva. Viva Las Vivas. I don't know what I'm saying. Vivas. Vivas. Vivas Las Vivas. Vivas and Butthead. Vivas and Butthead. Speaking of things that contain the letter V, CVEs. 
CVEs, yay! I found a cool PowerShell module that lets you search CVEs against Microsoft's security database and possibly correlate them with KBs. I haven't fully figured out the PowerShell module yet, but I've accomplished a couple things where you can plug in certain CVEs that you're aware of, and you can retrieve CVEs from certain months and get some KBs. But I'd like to search in certain ways that I haven't quite fully had the time to go down the rabbit hole on, but I really want to learn this, and it sounds cool, because I'm finding increasingly I'm given like a pile of CVEs, and, I'm, and, and I might be asked, like, do we have the KBs deployed to mitigate these? And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't know if I have the tools. But then later, like the same day, I found this module. So maybe this is the answer. Yes, that sounds so excited. exciting. Yeah, it, it uses um, API stuff from Microsoft. And I guess you used to need an API key. But in my experience, I just installed the module and it just worked without the need for any of that. So are you just using the IRM module? Which module are you using? Uh, it's called MSRC Security Updates. It's from the PowerShell uh, gallery. So no, no, no. Like to connect though, do you have to use IRM? Because you used to have to use an API token, which would then bind your mm. machine. But now it, there's an IRM module. Um, I don't know. What does IRM stand for? Uh, it's rights management. Information rights management. I mean, there's a chance I have it installed. I just haven't heard of it off the top of my head. So, yes. okay, maybe it's IRM, maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> I I have been doing a lot of API calls myself. So this is something that I stumbled across that allows for it to be easier. Yeah. And whatever makes this easier at this point is is just fine with me. Because you can leverage this. I can, see, I can see solutions with this where you can leverage this with... Uh, WSUS commands and mm -hmm. line them up against KBs who either have deployed or will deploy and correlate, you know, do uh, VLOOKUPs or correlations and fancy reports for your security team or your server team and fun stuff because this is the CVEs and vulnerabilities are never ending. Exactly. There's just so much that is just happening with yeah. this. Yeah, so that's a cool little cool little PowerShell nugget of the day that I found, and I admittedly was not very prepared to talk about it. So I'm just I'm, that's why I'm leaving it as a footnote here in the in our starter mm -hmm. topics. But it's cool. Check it out. There's links in the show notes for a couple of cool examples, that of which I'm still trying to work my way through. I've got a, a couple of working concepts, but others I want to really dive further into. So maybe we'll have that's a follow awesome. up on this somewhere. That's great. No, this is so exciting. This is good stuff. You know what's not good stuff? This month's patches for Microsoft server OSs, particularly 2016, not so great this month. We had a false start with KB460-1392. This has been pretty miserable for those who deploy patches either on Patch Tuesday or several days after Patch Tuesday. This was the servicing stack update for February 2021. It applied for certain flavors of Windows 10, 1607, and Windows Server 2016, which is also of the 1607 branch. And oh. it, it would either hang or cause crashes, and it would cause downstream issues for further patches. Microsoft ended up pulling this KB. They released KB 51078, which is the replacement. You are especially screwed, though, if you tried to install the bad KB because you are going to need to 
remove that and blow away your Windows Update cache on any affected machine and then check for updates again. If you have that times X amount of servers that you have, you might be spending some time remediating for a little while. Wow. Ooh. This is where I'm grateful that I don't have to patch any Windows machines, but at the same time, I feel out of the loop about it. It's live by the bleeding edge, die by the bleeding edge. I've never, ever been a fan of installing Microsoft patches, not only the day they come out, but stay away from like the week they come out because stuff like this can happen from time to time. I prefer like at a minimum stay a week behind if not more just to kind of let the dust settle because you know the QA quality of these updates is not excellent. I would rather not risk some bogus update that hasn't been properly vetted take down my environment as opposed to just waiting a while and just letting everything marinate and then I'll install it and not have to worry. Right. See, that's why I like having a second computer, because I like having an additional machine that I can try the bleeding edge stuff. That is also option B, where have some sacrificial machines that you don't care about if they get blown up by these test updates. Exactly. Or not test updates. These updates that of which you are using these machines as test beds for. Right. So I have one, for example, that is running the current Mac OS. Why my brain isn't working tight. Big Sur. So I'm running the most current, but I won't use that on a machine that I use every day. But for for recording and things like that, it's not a not a big deal. And that's fair. That's all yeah, that's valid. If you don't have a test environment, wait. And if you have a test environment, yeah, um, deploy those updates. Just make sure you're ready to either revert very quickly through snapshots or some mechanism, or you can roll back in some way where you don't care. You know, you get the general gist. Yep. Just some way to get back in time if you need to. Yeah. So just know if you see a KB ending in 1392 this month, that's the bad one. And you want to deploy the 1078. That's the good one. In fact, Microsoft has even redirected the URL for the 1392 KB into the 1078 KB already. So that's good. That's excellent. Yes, that is true. And then isn't there a new version of Windows 10 out? Or am I making that up? Windows 10, I believe, what year is it? It's 2021. I think 21H1, I believe, has been announced recently within a couple of days or so. I remember something about it being kind of unremarkable, mm. possibly. Yeah. But spring 2021 is when it's coming. Okay. And remember, they no, they no longer name these updates based on the month they're coming out. They just say H1 or H2 with the year in front right. of it. Right. So, yeah, we'll have to cover that in the next time. This is a smaller update that focuses on security, improvements, and polish. It'll be akin to maybe just another slightly larger cumulative update. Okay. So not a whole lot to write home about, but it'll be something. Maybe more features will be announced, but I guess Microsoft's setting expectations to be a little bit lower than previous feature updates. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's a good place from the start because the last time that we had a big hoorah, I think it kind of caused a bit of a riff with the tech community in Microsoft. Yeah, there's been no shortage of feature updates that didn't go too well. 2004, if I recall, was kind of problematic. And then 2009 or 20H2, whatever name you want to call it, was kind of a walk back from, from all that, I suppose. Right. No, I agree. 
Those are those updates. You know, uh, updates can be annoying. You know, it's also annoying hearing what? barking dogs and screaming yes. children and all kinds of stuff. And you're going to be able to hear all of those annoying sounds far better in the upcoming Satin update to Teams with more clear audio inbound. Wait, I thought that they were trying to reduce the noise. Well, you could say that, but what what do I mean by Yeah, what do you what to, do you mean? Maybe we should elaborate a little more about this. So the satin audio codec is used in Teams and it is apparently the spiritual successor to the Silk code which was developed for Skype and it has to do with um, audio quality and streaming quality and all that stuff. Satin is already present in Teams, but it is getting an update mm. at the end user level for the consumer level and all of us regular people. It just means that audio is going to sound better with this enhanced codec. They're using Pied Piper compression or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. They mu- they must have um, you know sold it to the Google knockoff. Gavin Belson has finally come f- come through. After- exactly. Yeah, he stole it from people. <laughs> but yeah, this will be coming soonish to Teams, which is nice. I've noticed that video quality in Teams has gotten quite a bit better in cases where I know folks don't have as good webcams or internet connections. I don't know what Teams is necessarily doing to make them look so good, but that's been a thing lately. Interesting. You're right. I think the biggest concern I have with Teams is that, well, not even Teams, but like working from home is that my internet is a constant struggle. Yeah, mine's been problematic at best at times. Mm -hmm. It depends on the day, though. It really does depend on the day and time of the day. And it's so frustrating. I don't really know how to fix that because, you know, Everyone's working from home, so it kind of is what it is. Mm -hmm. You get what you get and you don't get upset. I was trying to rhyme something with upset, (laughs) but uh, I came up with nothing but beget, so sorry. I'm lame. So teams, audio, getting better. Woohoo. Woohoo. It's going to be great. That's so exciting. And also more exciting, we have uh, a new PowerShell community blog coming out. (gasps) Yay. It's intended to replace the old scripting blog from the days of old, which was great in its day, but since PowerShell has evolved so much since then, some of the stuff is outdated. And very admittedly, when I go back to a lot of these old Hey Scripting Guy blogs, the code isn't very coherently written in a character format that translates well to Visual Studio Code. A lot of the times I find myself going through that copied code and needing to replace the double quotes with actual character encoding compliant double quotes or replacing blank wet spaces that don't work inside the PowerShell console window for whatever reason with actual UTF whatever spaces. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very frustrating problem to have to fight. And a lot of these older blogs just didn't have any awareness of that. So hopefully this new blog, it's leveraging GitHub and Markdown. Hopefully it'll have more code-friendly views or code blocks for such things. Yeah. Um, And in the tradition of Microsoft and never getting rid of the original thing, they are not retiring the old blogs, but they're starting a new blog for the new content. So the old stuff will still be kicking around for archival purposes. But the new blog is where all new stuff will go. But they will also leverage GitHub pull requests and allow more contributions from the community. If you have something where you're sitting at your computer going, hey, I can code better than this guy. Well, guess what? You're up. You can post it to GitHub and just see how how good you really are. 
Right. And what's nice too is that they, Microsoft has start has been rolling this out now for some time. So users are already familiar with this concept. Viva la open source. Viva la open source. Maybe that's what Viva means. That's where they're going. Maybe. It's yeah. possible. You know we're not going? Where? To Yammer. Oh. So tell me about, so what's yeah. going on with Yammer? So Yammer. You were, you were pissed about this all day. Yeah. So I have a few problems with Yammer. So one, I thought that, I know that last year they had like this whole big announcement about it being the year of Yammer, but I'm sorry. I'm waiting on that still. Exactly. Like, where is it? I would love to see it. Because they're rolling out Viva, which is great and all. But I really thought that Yammer was going to be a fairly straightforward rollout. I remember going up an escalator at Microsoft Ignite 2019. And in the center metal thing in between the up and the down escalator, you know, the section that either small kids will like slide down or Mm -hmm. you'll find like a bunch of discarded coffee cups or a bunch of unidentified substances just sprayed all in there in that little metal separator. So gross. There were these hashtags written up and down it that said hashtag year of Yammer. I want to know where's the year of Yammer? Was it delayed? Was right. it canceled due to COVID? Where is it? Where is my year of Yammer that I went to Ignite for? Exactly. So one of the things that I have been tasked to do is to work on employee engagement and experience. I honestly was on board and I thought that Yammer would be a really good solution for this. Except for now I'm realizing how frustrating it is. Because I really, it just feels like a Microsoft or an M365 group with a GUI slapped on it and it kind of works. And for some reason, because again, we know it's SharePoint, SharePoint has this thing where it doesn't sync user profiles the same way that everything else does. So if you're familiar with like on-premise SharePoint or SharePoint in general, it uses its own syncing to sync profiles. So if you update something in AAD or anywhere else, sometimes it just won't work. Yes, I distinctly remember that with SharePoint. Yammer, I think, is a chicken and egg problem. So Yammer has existed since forever ago. I think I remember in 2013 or something, it might have been a workplace or something. We had a Yammer and I remember signing into it once and I was like, wow, this is kind of, it's not my idea of fun, I guess. And then I never signed into it again. And then Microsoft bought LinkedIn at some point, And I thought that maybe a more smart idea was to just merge LinkedIn with Yammer or at least leverage its capabilities to make it more visible and establish the user base. But Yammer on its own has basically no users when you think of the grand scheme of things. So while you say that Yammer could be just a Microsoft 365 group, there's a chance that that's actually the case because if the user base is so few, like why put a lot of effort into making it better? But you want to make it better to grow the user base. So it's a literal chicken and egg problem. It really is. Along with when you look at the Teams use case or Slack or any of these like instant One of the things that I struggle with is that I feel like with the notifications, people sort of expect me to answer right away. That if I don't answer something, then I don't want to be a part of the conversation. What I like about having Yammer separate from Teams is that the work-related stuff, and Teams is like hard to navigate through. I really like Facebook groups. I think that that's one thing I think they're easy to engage in. I like the way that they're formatted and set up. So I really kind of do like the concept of Yammer, 
but I absolutely hate the implementation that Microsoft has offered for administrators because it's not straightforward. It uses different language than Microsoft normally does. So it's pretty confusing overall. I think it needs to be integrated with Teams or something. It needs a better path to onboarding and adoption than it currently has. Because right now, I feel like we're being pushed to use Teams for almost everything. With Teams, you can get a tab for all kinds of stuff. But while I understand there might be a Yammer plugin buried somewhere deep inside that big old plus button in the tab bar, I think it needs to be up front more if you want folks to actually engage with it. Exactly. But at the same time, I think Teams just kind of does it better in general. So what is the point of it? It really does. Myself, what I find is that there's too much like out of work conversations that happen that I want to participate in, but it's hard to net by the time I get to it. It's already like 30, 40 posts in and I'm just like, now I'm never going to post my thing. Yeah, because then you have the worry of, did I read every post? Am I completely out of base here because I didn't catch up on all the latest Mm -hmm. conversation or am I repeating something someone else already asked Mm -hmm. and answered? And I can't find like the thing that I was looking for that I wanted to post on. So I think that Yammer has a really good place for those sort of like, for example, we do this thing called show and tell where, you know, someone will post like a show and tell question like, you know, what is your favorite place you've ever gone on vacation? And then it'll just be like, 60 notifications of people just sending pictures of their favorite vacation and then you're like I want to participate in this and I want to look at people's pictures but I also now have to ignore that and my team my team's just going off and off and off and then I turn off the notifications and then I miss a call from my boss I miss a call and I know that you can turn off the channel notifications But at the same time, like our general channel sometimes has a mix of both in it. So if I turn off the notifications for the general channel, I might miss something important. Right, exactly. That reminds me, I had a fun anecdote where it's that annoying thing that I love about Teams where I had to switch back to native Teams for a little while because the calling and screen sharing was doing weird things to me, even in Edge in the browser. So I was using the native Teams client, but the native Teams client you know, I keep hearing that they're going to to support native Windows 10 notifications and honor the quiet hours and focus assist settings, mm-hmm. but it still isn't there yet. So I'm in the middle of a call where I'm sharing my screen and my chat's blowing up with all these other chats and channels with people messaging things. And it just doesn't seem to realize that I'm in a call and it won't suppress those notifications. So I have my audience looking at my screen that I'm sharing, suddenly reading all of my messages in all these chats, which I may not want them to see, which is not great. And I wonder if anyone at Microsoft is like paying attention to this, you know, Mm -hmm. like, come on, make it such that I can't blast my notifications out automatically without having to go through and mute every channel or turn off every notification. Yeah. And that's what I mean is that I I wish notifications were better. Yeah. And they keep announcing that they're going to get better, but the timeline is still too slow. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where the Yammers, the Vivas, I think will be able to gap that weird place for Yammer. At least I hope. You'd hope. But at the same time, then it's like, it's another thing I have to sign into, another thing I have to monitor, Mm -hmm. another thing I have to watch. It's tiresome. It's I want my one place to look at for everything. Oh, I agree. And not have to have a thousand tabs open. That's kind of the dream of Teams, you know, mm-hmm. in, in theory. I agree. That's a brief ranty, yammery mm-hmm. thing, I guess. Agreed. Year of Yammer someday. Mm-hmm.
So Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, formerly known as ATP, and should be known as Microsoft Defender of My Sanity, AT pissed off. Let's talk about Microsoft Defender for Endpoints, onboarding, documentation, and all of the interesting things you have to do for each operating system in the server realm. We'll have some words kind of based off of what's out there for instructions after you get the licensing, after you get things set up with your RBAC and all of that, and some of the frustrations and trials and tribulations that you have to go through just to get half of this stood up. Let's start with the good here. The Microsoft monitoring agent, like the documentation, the setup, and all of that, it's pretty actually somewhat straightforward and kind of easy to follow. You don't have a lot of problems installing it. In fact, the MMA agent can be installed silently when you include your secret ID and key that is provided for you in the Azure Defender Security Center when you select your operating system and you get a quick checklist. And provided you have the prerequisites already installed, it's not too bad. Generally, the older you get for the OS, the more stuff you have to have installed like maybe PowerShell 5.1 here, or a certain couple of KBs there, you might have some legwork to do. Other than that, getting the MMA agent isn't terrible. So you get that installed, it's reporting into your console, it's telling you all about how much your install could be improved with all these recommendations and things. But you kind of sit there, and you see there's extra steps talking about, okay, where's my antivirus front end? What about my my system center endpoint protection, my SCEP. But what if you never had SCEP in the first place? Maybe you have a CCM, maybe you don't. But here's the thing. If you don't have it, there is an interesting, odd phenomenon where there's no real documentation on what to do to get SCEP installed without a CCM. You can install it without a policy, and you can, in theory, configure it, but I was under the impression that Defender ATP, Defender for Endpoint, was going to allow you to configure all the stuff from the cloud, as opposed to having to use SCCM as your middleman of sorts, or your central management. Unless I've yet to come across any other documentation on it, it doesn't seem to be the case. You need some form of SCCM to centrally manage the AVs on your servers. And that kind of bothers me because the Azure Defender Security Center is kind of pretty good in terms of reporting and analytics. Why not roll the AV portion into it as well? But instead, I now have to think about either these servers are going to have to be standalone, one-by-one individual managed SCEP, or if I want central management and policies, I have to roll out like a small SCCM installation, Mm -hmm. which might be overkill in certain environments. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Microsoft's documentation doesn't help with that because it doesn't talk about the scenario of setting up SCEP with no policies. What if I don't have slash want slash need SCCM? Then some of the instructions to configure SCEP for cloud protection, it tells you to click these settings like go to advanced and check off SCEP cloud protection service membership, but the actual SCEP client has no such settings. There's a checkbox to, quote, send file samples automatically when further analysis is required. And there's also the Microsoft Maps or Microsoft Active Protection Service membership options, which you can flip on, but I don't know if those are the same because they're not mentioned at all in the onboarding documentation. Mm. That's all kind of, it's, it's so confusing. 
my documentation looks like I should be committed to an asylum. I found a blog post from Microsoft MVP Joe Stalker, who does a good job at trying to demystify it and at least telling me what versions of what OS need what. Because the older you get, you need the MMA agent and SCEP. But until you get to about server 2016, you suddenly no longer need to install SCEP because you have a Defender interface installed in server 2016 and newer. But in server 2019, you don't need neither the MMA agent nor SCEP because both are baked in. Mm. The older OS you get, the more stuff you have to install. It's, it's weird. Incredibly strange. That is really weird. Yeah. So it, it's I can see the solution, but the amount of hoops you have to jump to to get there isn't quite selling it very well. Also, I have a bone to pick with Microsoft about KB numbers because one of these things for getting SCEP installed is you need to not only install it by stealing the installation from the client install folder on your SCCM server, provided you even have an SCCM server, and then you need to patch SCEP to the January 2017 anti-malware platform update for endpoint protection clients. This will bump up SCEP to a certain version, which makes it compliant with Defender ATP in the cloud. You are linked to this KB article, which contains all the info you need. The only download information is get this from Microsoft Update, which just doesn't help because if you go to the Microsoft Update catalog and you try to find this KB by name, you get nothing. If you then try to find the KB number in the article, you'll find nothing. You want to know where to find the KB article? Where? You either install PS Windows Update and search Microsoft Update with it, or you right-click the documentation page and view the freaking source code. That's nuts! Yeah, and this was something I found in the patch management list last week, where they are not so much keeping the KB numbers public in the URL or in the titles anymore. If you have to go to the source code and find a meta tag, where it's, I think it's awa-kb underscore id, and then there's a content section which includes a certain set of numbers, and that's the KB number. Ah, it's like the least accessible thing ever. I don't understand why Microsoft is doing this. What's annoying about this is I can't find this update on Microsoft Updates catalog. You can't import it into WSUS. The only way to get it is to search Microsoft Update, not Windows Update, Microsoft Update, which means normally unless you have the PowerShell module PS Windows Update, you have to click that button, the scary button that says search online for updates from Microsoft Update which on newer OSs like Server 2016 and 19, when you click that button, you're at the mercy of whatever it finds, and it's going to install all of it, whether you want it to or not. The only way to stop this on the newer OSs is to use PS Windows Update. On Server 2012 R2 and below, you at least can choose what to install and uncheck the rest. So then you can find KB3209361, which is the skep client update and install that and only that. On the newer server OSs, you need to run get-windows-update-download-install-microsoft-update to go out to Microsoft Update, search for these updates, and prompt you as to whether or not you want to install each one as it iterates through each one. Usually you press Y on the single KB for the SCEP client, and you press L to decline all of the others. And this is the only way you can install that one update as desired. And 2016 and 2019 will give you no GUI options to do this otherwise. So if you are on a cycle where you don't want to install the latest Windows updates because maybe, I don't know, the February patches were screwed up Mm -hmm. and you don't want to break your servers, there's no way to do this in the GUI. You have to use PS Windows Update of all things. And it's like, why? Why? 
Why? That's nuts. That doesn't even make sense at all. Yeah. That's been my little adventure with Defender ATP and documentation frustration and Microsoft, you can do better than this. You need to simplify this. I understand there's a need for documentation and just laying it all out on the table, but it needs to be coherent. Please don't hide information from me like KB numbers. Worst of all, like if you tell me, like, get this update from the Microsoft update catalog, put it on the update catalog Mm -hmm. and don't bury it inside this one section that which might hurt you in a very negative way. If you mistakenly click this check online for Microsoft update button on the newer OSs where unbeknownst to maybe everyone necessarily who clicks that may be installing a bunch of updates they may not want. Mm. Does that make sense? This concludes my Defender for Endpoint TED Talk. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I have been playing with Intune a bit. And one of the things that I noticed is that even, or that I have run into, is that even if I set up a security group and that only that security group, I have been noticing users have been enrolling on their own, which is not great. That's not that's not the greatest no. thing, if, especially if you don't want to do a total rollout like that. No, it's so bizarre. It just honestly feels like Microsoft is releasing a lot of stuff at once. I mean, they always do. I know. Is what it is there, to be totally honest. It's true. Yeah. It's a good time. I don't know. I don't know what it was, what it is. I just got really tired all of a sudden. We're pretty much, I didn't have anything else really. Yeah. Written anyway. I have a that is accurate. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. That is accurate. And this week's that is accurate a quick one, and it's actually kind of a follow-up to what we just talked about. PS Windows Update. PS Windows Update lets you pick and choose which updates to install in Windows 10, Server 2016, and Server 2019. Yes. That is accurate. It is currently the only way you can pick and choose your updates for those newer OSs. As clicking check for updates or check online for updates from Microsoft Update just gives you the fire hose of whatever it finds. Mm. Not super delicious, I might say. No. Ooh. That is accurate. That is accurate. That's all I got. Yeah. No, I I will have more next week. It's just been one of those weeks. Some weeks we just don't have. Yeah, we we don't don't. have a ton, and then other weeks we go on for hours and hours and hours. And that's okay. You know that, that that happens. That's about all we have this week, and it looks like we actually forgot to record an outro when we were live. So here I am to fill in the gap and quickly close things out. Thanks for listening to Hope This Helps. We're a tech podcast that records on a semi-regular basis with some lenience in between. If you want to check out our other episodes and content, head over to hthpc.com, and you'll find all kinds of goodies there, including our social media presence and the like. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever rates podcasts if you would like to. And if you think someone might like this podcast, let them know and tell them to look for Hope This Helps, a tech podcast, wherever they like to listen. Again, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we hope this helps.